looking today at a bunch of scripture, but I want to start us off with looking at Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. If you're wondering where the gospel of Luke is, Luke is in the New Testament, second half of your Bible, third book in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 16 together. Can we give all of our volunteers this morning, whether they're on the stage or off the stage, a big hand. Let's thank them for all their hard work this morning as well. Appreciate you guys. And as you're flipping to Luke chapter 16, I'm going to ask my friend uh, Jerry to help me show something to you guys this morning. Because we are doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Sweeter Than Honey. Everyone say Sweeter Than Honey. And this series is all about relationships. It's because we really believe that the most important and the most precious gift that we have in life is our relationships. If you believe that, say amen. And more than the money you make, more than the records you break, more than the vacations you take, what's going to determine your happiness, what's going to define your success in life is the quality of your relationships. And that's why over the past several weeks and over the next couple weeks, we're doing a series here at Thrive called Sweeter Than Honey, where we are looking at eight essential keys to having sweeter, stronger relationships, whether it's people at home, people you work with, your friends outside. And in case you are just doing a bit of catch up and you're here and you're new to Thrive, this is a little summary of some of the stuff we've covered over the past six, seven weeks so far. I've asked my good friend Jerry to flex his muscles a bit for me and to show us what we call our sweeter than honey bucket. We just got this at a hardware store and our team decorated with the different keys that we've been learning about in our sweeter than honey series. And so we start off talking about gratitude. Everyone say gratitude. Even when your circumstances seem dark, we've got to choose an attitude of gratitude. It'll keep us afloat when you want to sink. Respect. Everyone say Respect. It's about treating other people with value and worth. Now, the one we talked about was empathy. Everyone say empathy. It's learning to stand in the shoes of someone else and feel what they feel. Now, the one we talked about was humility. Everyone say humility. It's learning to put others in front of yourself. Now, the one we talked about a couple weeks ago was boundaries. Everyone say boundaries. Is that for healthy relationships, we need healthy boundaries. Last week, we had Pastor Chris Hippie from City Central Church, and he provided us with a really cool message on forgiveness. Everyone say forgiveness. And from time to time, when there's hurt in relationships, we need to forgive. Can we thank Jerry for uh, flexing his muscles this morning and uh, helping us show that right now? Thanks so much, Jerry. Today, I'm here to share with you the seventh relationship key that we're talking about in the Sweeter Than Honey series. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? Hard to believe we're almost at the tail end. In fact, next week is going to be our grand finale to the Sweeter Than Honey series. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be perhaps the coolest part of our whole series so far. And so we invite you to join us for that. But today I'm here to share with you a stream, an extremely important relationship key that we're talking about today. Let me give you a couple clues to see if you can guess what we're talking about this morning. See, of all the keys that we have covered in this series called Sweeter Than Honey, this relationship key that we're talking about today is the most obvious and direct one. What I mean by that is that if you are lacking some of the other keys we've talked about in the past, maybe you lack empathy, maybe you lack gratitude, that's not so obvious to people. Not all the time. It takes some time for people to to get to know, okay, this person has an issue with thankfulness, or this person has an issue with empathy. But this key we're talking about today is very obvious. If you lack this key, it has a direct and obvious impact on your relationships. That's the first little clue I want to give you about our topic this morning. Another topic, or another clue I'll give you about our topic is that we hate it when other people lack this key, but we tend to overestimate how much of this key we ourselves actually have. Well, the key I'm talking about with you guys this morning is the need for responsibility in our relationships. Everyone say responsibility. 
today we want to talk about responsibility in relationships. So very important. Let me begin with a definition for responsibility. I encourage you to write it down, take good notes this morning. Why don't you write this down? Responsibility means keeping my word, fulfilling my commitments, and taking care of what has been given to me. It's being someone others can count on. See, responsibility has three parts to it. On one hand, it's about keeping my word, fulfilling my promises. Another part is, you know, meeting my commitments, doing what I said I would do. Another part is taking care of what has been given to me, whether it's a relationship or it's an opportunity or it's a responsibility that was entrusted to me for me to do. It's about being someone that others can count on. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with all of you about how about 20 years ago, I had said yes to a very interesting job. I was asked to lead songs at this kids' camp for the summer. And I was supposed to lead them and sing different songs that I'd written. And, and, and by the, by the, near the end of the camp, about three days before the camp was done, I was totally burnt out. And it wasn't just because of this job. It was because I was not careful to set healthy boundaries in the other areas of my life. And so by the time we were almost toward that end of camp concert that everyone was excited about, I was burning out. And by the last or three days of that camp, I just had enough. And in a very immature way, you know what I did? I decided I'd sign a resignation letter. I faxed it into the camp and said, sorry, I can't keep on going. And as, as a result, I left the whole camp hanging. It was one of the biggest regrets of my life. And the reason why I mention that is this, is you might try to give me the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, JB, you were young. JB, you didn't know what you were doing. You were exhausted. You were stressed. But I can say this, is that if JB in 2017 could somehow take a DeLorean and and travel back in time to JB in 1997, JB in 2017 would find that skinny, scrawny JB in 1997 wearing a, a, a bad undercut and baggy jeans. He'd put his hand on his shoulder and say, JB of 1997, can we talk? Can I lay hands? hands upon you, not hands of prayer, but maybe the closed-fisted type of hands. And, and can I tell you that that behavior was pretty irresponsible. Because you weren't responsible with what you were given, people were hurt. Your reputation was damaged. Relationships were damaged. People who look up to you, you know, they have a confusing message now. People who watch you, you know, you didn't set the best example for them. And, and as a result, you know, it will only be because of God's mercy and grace that you will ever be given a chance to lead in a similar capacity again. It's Because being responsible is not something that comes very naturally to us all. In fact, let me ask you this. What is your first memory of you being irresponsible? Can you remember? Your very first memory. Maybe as a kid. You know, I I doubt this was the first time I had acted irresponsibly. But it's the first time I remember acting irresponsibly. I was four years old. I was playing with my cousin. He was a bit younger than me. And we were playing with this toy car. And, and there was a babysitter who was watching us who I guess thought we were making too much noise and we weren't really listening to her. So she said, JB, please give me the car. I'm like, no, JB, please give me the car. No, JB, give me the car. And I was like, fine. I took the car. I smashed it in her hand. I looked at her and on her face, I could see pain in her eyes, not just physically, but I think I'd hurt her emotionally as well. I hit her that way. I ran off. It was my very first hit and run accident. And thankfully, my only one so far. And this is the thing. My mom came home. She found out what happened. She said to me, JB, did you hit the babysitter? And I was like, yeah, I hit and I ran. 
And, uh, and, so, and, and, and I went over to the babysitter because I was told to do so. And the, my mom said, you know, go and apologize. So I went up to her into the room that she was crying in. I was like, sorry. And I went back. And, and, and this is the thing is when I was four years old, that maybe is expected of four-year-old behavior is that when you're a kid, you know, some of these things are things that you might not be surprised to hear about. It's irresponsible behavior. We're still learning as kids. But see, here's the thing. What happens when you as a child, you grow up and become an adult and you still don't learn to be responsible? See, you, you're, you have a boy who, who never learned to clean up after himself as a little kid and never as a teenager. His parents were always kind of cleaning up the messes that he left behind, always doing things for him. What's going to happen when that boy becomes a man and becomes married? Well, his wife will end up picking up a lot of stuff after that boy, cleaning up the messes that he makes. You know, say there's a girl who never really learned to be financially responsible, never learned to handle money well. And so, you know, when she grows up, she ends up, you know, spending irresponsibly, going through credit cards like a bag of chips, just eating through, you know, visas and eating through MasterCards and eating through all that stuff because her bank account can't afford it. That's irresponsible behavior that we didn't learn when we were kids. Maybe you're a teenager who never learned to manage your time never learn to plan ahead. You just always wung or you would just wing everything that you'd go through. Tests, uh, you, know, you know, appointments, presentations, other stuff you'd go through. You just kind of breeze through it. But then finally, when you get to university or you get a job, finally it hits you that you can't do that anymore. And life is now chaotic because you never learned to manage to your time or be responsible in your planning. That is something that happens for a lot of people. You know, another one is, you know, say there's a boy who never learns to be responsible with conflict. And in fact, his parents were so good to him that uh, you know, every time he made a mistake, it was the parents who would apologize to him. Oh, I'm sorry you made that mistake. You know, I'm sorry that you did that. And, and, and as a result, when that boy grows up and gets married, what's going to happen when there's conflict? That boy runs away at the first sign of conflict. And the, that boy's especially defensive, very, very sensitive. And when it comes time to actually fessing up and admitting doing wrong, they're like, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's because we didn't learn to be responsible. Here's a question for you. How responsible are you? So let me give you a few clues that you and I might struggle with irresponsibility. I'm going to give you a little responsibility test. Is that okay? This morning I'll give you a little bit of a responsibility test. I'm going to give you a few statements, 10 statements, and I want you to see how many of these statements apply to you. And if they apply to you, I want you to give yourself one point, all right? One point. You want to get as little points as possible in this test, all right? So zero is much better than 10, all right? So let's see how many of these statements apply to you. Number one, I'm often late to meetings and appointments. Is that you? Is that you? I'm often late to meetings and appointments. Number two, I tend to leave things that I need to do till the very last minute. Instead of planning ahead, giving your best, you procrastinate. Any procrastinators here? You know, you be honest. You know, end up, you know, giving, you know, something that's half-baked and half-thought through instead of giving your best. Number three, I sometimes forget to return what I borrow, if at all, and rarely on time. Number four, I often, or other people, often have to clean up the messes that I leave behind. Has that happened to you before? Like, you know, someone else has to clean up your stuff. Someone else has to clean up your dishes that you didn't leave or th- that you didn't clean. You know, that's number four. Number five, I'm slow to do the things I say that I will do. I tend to lose track of my responsibilities. In other words, you find that, you know, you're, you're not that quick to remember your promises and you're not that quick to fulfill your promises. In fact, other people have to kind of knock on your door or send you a text and go, hello, did you, didn't you say you were going to do that? Or, oh yeah, that's right. Oh, I'm so sorry. I double booked myself. I knew I was going to be here, but 
but I had to be there as well. And you can't really keep track of your responsibilities. If that's you, give yourself a point. Number six, there are promises I've made that I've not yet kept. Is that you? If that is, give yourself a point. Number seven, I struggle to finish what I start. You know, when you say yes to a project, at first you're really passionate, really excited about it. You have all these ideas. But then when things get hard, you kind of just give up and go, oh, forget it. I'll just do something else. Do you, do you struggle to finish what you start? Number eight, when something goes wrong, I tend to blame other people for it. You tend to play in the blame game, blaming others for the stuff that you see as a problem. Number nine, I'm slow to apologize when I realize I've made a mistake. Number 10, I go through seasons of irresponsibility and responsibility. For example, you maybe go through a month where you're super responsible. You're very much on top of things. But then somehow, you know, you go into the fall and maybe you're just a bit more tired and you're a bit lazier and you just go through a season where you're just, for some reason, just not very responsible and you're just inconsistent in the area of responsibility. Is that you? If that describes you, then give yourself a point as well. I'm not going to ask you to show me your score or tell me your score. And I'm not going to tell you, oh, if you had zero or one, that means you're Superman or, or Wonder Woman. I'm not saying that. But let me just say this, is that if you can relate to any one of these clues that we're talking about this morning, then it could very well be that you're sitting here today with an issue regarding responsibility. Let me tell you this, responsibility matters. In fact, there are four areas of your life and my life that suffer when we lack responsibility. Let me go through each of them right now. Number one, write this down. If you are irresponsible, your relationships will suffer. See, the number one area where your life suffers is in the area of relationships when you are irresponsible. No matter how much chemistry you might think you have with someone, no matter how compatible you guys think you naturally are, no matter how good-looking or how talented you think you are, if you are irresponsible, you will end up hurting that other person. And at the very best, in the best-case scenario, irresponsibility is irritating. It irritates other people. Like, oh, seriously, you forgot again? Or, oh, why didn't you tell me uh, that you're going to be late instead of showing up when I didn't know when you're going to show up? Or, or didn't you didn't you think that we should talk about this first before you decided on your own? At best, irresponsibility is irritating. It's frustrating. It's annoying for the people that are around you. At worst, irresponsibility can destroy a relationship. If you go back on a really important promise, if you break a marriage vow, it, it can break the trust between you. You and that person, and unless there's forgiveness like we talked about last week, unless there's reconciliation, that relationship will never be the same. In its worst form, irresponsibility ruins relationships. And see, here's the thing. Irresponsible people don't try to be irresponsible. Whenever I'm irresponsible, it's not because I try to be. I'm not trying to hurt anyone, but that's besides the point. Because your relationships depend on how responsible you are. If you believe that, say amen. Look at Proverbs 25, 19 with me right now. Read in a big, loud voice and help me preach this morning. One, two, three, it says, Like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. You're going to find this, is that the Bible doesn't use the word responsible that much in your English translation. But the concept of being responsible, keeping your word, being trustworthy, living up to your commitments, taking care of what God's given to you, that comes up all over the Bible. And one of the words that it comes up in is the word faithful. Everyone say faithful. And here Proverbs 25, 19 says, Proverbs, go back to Proverbs 25, 19, it says, like a bad tooth or a lame foot is reliance on the unfaithful in times of trouble. In other words, when you're in a relationship with someone who is irresponsible, it is painful. Have you ever had a bad foot? Or have you, have you ever had a, 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 a painful tooth? 
and you know what? You can't go anywhere without thinking about that pain. You can't go anywhere without thinking about how much pain you are in. That is what it's like to be in a relationship with someone who is irresponsible. If you believe that, say amen. And here's the thing, is that when you are irresponsible, it creates insecurity in the relationship that you're in. I almost liken it to this, is that imagine that your relationship is like a chair. And, you know, uh, there's, the, on this chair, there's different nuts and bolts that keep the chair together. Irresponsibility is when I start taking a, a screwdriver or I start taking a wrench and I start unscrewing the screws and the bolts in that chair. And all of a sudden, it becomes a bit more unstable. All of a sudden, sitting in that chair becomes a bit more insecure. There's fear now associated with that chair. There's fear that's associated with that relationship. And sometimes, if you're really irresponsible, you can get to the point where it's so unscrewed, so not put together, that once you sit on it, it completely falls apart and you hurt yourself. Here's the thing. That's what, that's what irresponsibility does to our relationships. Fear. Lack of confidence, insecurity are the result of irresponsibility. And you know, when, when you're irresponsible that way and it becomes a habit, other people might feel like they have to treat you like a child, even though you're 19 years old or 39 years old or 59 years old. They have to keep on controlling you in different ways and nagging at you in different ways because there was an issue of responsibility. That's what responsibility does. But on the other hand, how many of us know that when you're in a relationship with someone who's responsible, they're not naggy, they're not controlling, but they just do the stuff that they're supposed to do, and you can always count on them. What is that? That is refreshing. Amen? Everyone go, ah. See, that, that's, it's refreshing. It's like a cool drink in the middle of summer. It's, it, in fact, this is how the Bible puts it. Look at Proverbs 20, uh, 25, 13. What does it say? It says, like the coolness of snow at harvest time is a trustworthy messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the spirit of his masters. It's almost like you imagine the hottest day of the summer where it is crazy hot. You don't want to go outside. It is scorching hot. And then you know, all of a sudden you just have snow that comes down and it kind of melts on your shoulder. Ah. That's what happens when you're in a relationship with someone who is very responsible. It is refreshing. If you believe that, say amen. Here's the thing. You and I, we cannot maintain healthy relationships without having a high degree of responsibility. Because if you're not responsible, what's, what's going to happen to your relationships? You're going to find that you bounce around a lot like a, bo- like a ball, like a basketball. You're bouncing from one set of friends to another set of friends because that old set of friends doesn't trust you anymore. Or you go and bounce from one company to another company or one church to another church or one boyfriend or girlfriend to another boyfriend or girlfriend. And that's what happens when there's irresponsibility is that your relationships suffer. Number two, if you are irresponsible, your reputation will suffer. Say you're the boss of your own business. You come up to one of the people on your staff and you're like, hey, I think there's a report that's due today. How's that going? Oh, is it today? Are you serious? Oh, so sorry. I, I thought that was like next week. I'm so, I, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to it. And, and say next week rolls around and he still doesn't give it to you. And you're like, hello, I thought we said it was next week. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll give it to you the next day. You come to him next day. Still, it's not done. He's, oh, sorry, I forgot. And then finally, when it comes to like two weeks later, then he sends the report and says, sorry, sorry, I'm late. And after a while, if that keeps on happening, you're going to look at that person on your staff and go, you know what? I'm not sure how much more I'm going to give you. In fact, I'm not sure how much I'm going to keep you here at this company anymore. Or, or say you're leading a team that meets every week and, and one member on that team is notorious for showing up late. You're supposed to meet at 9 a.m., but they always show up at like 9.10 or 9.20 or 9.09. And, and they're like, oh, sorry, I'm late, sorry, I'm late. Oh, t- traffic was bad or I slept in or my alarm clock didn't work or, or wh- whatever reason they give. And you finally you go up to that person and go, hey, dude, like, you, you know, 
we, we really need you to be on time. Because when you're not on time, it affects everybody. I have to repeat myself again, and, and we, we end up not getting stuff done that we need to get done. It, built, it, it hurts the momentum of our team. And yeah, 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 I'll do that. And so the next week, are they on time? Yes, they're on time. But then the week after, it's back to the same old thing. And it's like, it's almost as if all those reminders didn't make any difference at the end. And see, whether it was unconscious or conscious, whether it was unplanned or planned, the bottom line is, it was irresponsible. And if you have a habit of being irresponsible, sometimes it'll get to the point where it starts to really affect your reputation. Where people will look at this person and go, you know what, don't count on this person for too much. Keep a distance from this person. Don't get too close Don't expect very much from this person because if you do, you're just going to be disappointed. When we are irresponsible, it hurts our reputation. Let me ask this question. What is your reputation when it comes to being responsible? If I were to ask the people who know you the best, people you live with, people that you work with most closely, how responsible is Sally? How responsible is Sam? What would they say? Would they say, yeah, this guy's really trustworthy. This guy, he's so responsible. He's always on the ball. Or will they say, oh, I don't know. He's like here and there, mama, hoo-hoo, you know? Like, or, or he's like, well, he's kind of flaky, a little in- inconsistent, a little forgetful. What would they say about you? See, your character is very much reflected by how responsible you and I are. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. What does it say? It says, in the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. There's a guy called Paul who's writing this to his disciple called Timothy. They're leading a church together. And Paul is telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, when you select leaders, women leaders in the church. I want you to find people, I want you to find women who have self-control and who are faithful in everything they do. Everyone say everything in everything they do. See, how, how, how many are like this? Is that you are really responsible in one area of your life, maybe your work, but then in other areas of your life, you're really irresponsible. Like maybe when you come home, it's a completely different story where, you know, at work, you are Mr. Employee of the Month. You know, at, at home, you're like Mr. Deadbeat of the Month. You know, at, at work, you are Miss, you know, responsible. When you go home, you're Miss Irresponsible, where you're not really consistent from place to place. Can I tell you this? That is what some people call a lack of integrity. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we want to be people who are responsible no matter what the situation is. If you believe that, say amen. Whether you're at work or you're at home, whether you're being paid for it or it's volunteer, whether you are doing it in private or it's under a spotlight, whether it's with people who are close to you or people you don't know very well at all, no matter what the situation is, it's about learning to be someone that other people can count on. If you believe that, say amen. See, that's the second thing that is affected when you're irresponsible is that your reputation gets affected. Number three, if you're irresponsible, your reward will suffer. In other words, how high you go, how far you go in your career, in your relationships, you know, even in terms of the kind of rewards that God promises to those who trust in him, how quickly you get those rewards, how quickly you're promoted, all those things are dependent on how responsible you are. You know, for example, there's a guy called Daniel in the Bible, Old Testament, and he's known for having this amazing amazing reputation of being always responsible, completely trustworthy, faithful in everything he does. And it just says that God just wants to promote him from place to place. Kings that he serves for promote him from place to place. It's because people love to promote responsible people. Let's look, look at Luke, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 12. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 12. We started with it. Read it with me one more, one more time. One, two, three. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you 
have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You're going to find this basic principle in any organization. You know, when you see someone who's faithful, responsible, trustworthy, you want to say, yeah, you want to give that person a promotion, want to, want to give that person more responsibility. Opposite's also true. You see someone who's not very responsible, who often forgets, can't be counted on. You're like, you know what? You can stay there right now, for now, but maybe you won't have even what you have right now. See, in the kingdom of God, write this down. In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is free, but trust is earned. Amen? In the kingdom of God, forgiveness is free, but trust is earned. See, if you want God to expand your territory this coming year, it's about learning to be responsible in everything you do. If you're irresponsible, there's a fourth area of your life that is affected, is that the way you represent God to others is going to suffer. Maybe you're here today and you, you're a Christian and, and you, you, you want to really lead others to Jesus. You, know, you want to be someone who, who represents God well to the people around you. Can I tell you this? You can be someone who lifts their hands in worship. You can be someone who shouts out. And, and, and when you pray, the neighbors can hear you. You can recite Bible verses backwards and forwards. You, know, you, can, you can go on short-term mission trips and do all that stuff. But if you have an issue with responsibility... If you have a problem with keeping your word, then what's going to happen is you're not going to reflect God's love to those around you. Amen. How well you represent God to other people, it depends on how responsible you are. It's because one of God's greatest characteristics is responsibility, is that he is faithful to the end. He keeps his promises. You can depend on him. Look at Psalm 33, verse 4 with me. Read it in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. God is responsible. Look at the next one. Psalm 145, verse 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. God is faithful to his promises. He keeps his word. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 11 to 13. Read it with me in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. See, here's the thing. We could go on and on about these few verses right now, but let me just focus on verse 13. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Aren't you glad that we have a God who even when we are faithless, he remains faithful? Amen? That even when we mess up, he never messes up. Even when we sin all the time, he still looks at us with mercy, with compassion. That's the kind of God that we serve. And the reason we know that is because of the cross where Jesus Christ died. Is that when we were completely irresponsible, when we did not meet our commitments, when we didn't do the things that we were supposed to do, when we had sinned against God, rebelled against him, done things our way, not God's way, the Bible says we were separated from God because of our sin. But God didn't leave us in that state because he loved us. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. He sent Jesus Christ, his own son, to live a life that only God in the flesh could live, a completely responsible life, a life that met all of God's requirements. And then he died on the cross. And what did Jesus do? He took responsibility for your sins and my sins. He said, all those mistakes, put them on me. All those failures, put them on me. Put all those sins, put them on me. He died on the cross to take responsibility for us because that is the amazing God that he is. Even when we were faithless, he remains faithful. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place because that is the God that we serve. Come on, give God a big shout in this place right now. Come on. Aren't you glad that we have a God where even when we are faithless, he remains faithful? Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
We have an amazing God who loves us just the way that we are. And the reason why he shows us such tremendous mercy and grace, the reason why we can keep on coming back to him whenever we mess up is not so that we can keep on making the same mistakes, but so that we can continue on to live a life where we are blessing the people in our lives. If you believe that, say amen. Just as God is responsible, just as God is faithful, just as God is trustworthy, he calls us to be the same. When we're responsible, we show what God is truly like to others. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. What does it say? It says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What does that mean? It means that if you say that you're a Christian, but you're not responsible. If you say you're a Christian, but you don't take good care of your family, you kind of forget a lot of the stuff that you should be doing for your family, and you just kind of, you're just kind of, you're just someone who, who, who says you're a Christian, but you're not responsible. What is that? The Bible says you've denied the faith, and you're worse than an unbeliever. It's to say that if we want to represent God well, it begins with how responsible we are to the people around us. If you believe that, say amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 4.2. What does that one say? It says this. Now it is required that those who've been given a trust must prove faithful. Let me ask you this question. What are some things that God has entrusted to you? We've all been entrusted with things. People in our lives. Talents. Time. Opportunities. Experiences. Stuff that other people might not have that we have been uniquely given. God has entrusted to us. And the Bible says it is required of those who've been given a trust that they must prove faithful faithful. It's about being responsible. Here's a question for you today. What is one area in your life where you need to be more responsible? Maybe it's when it comes to life at home. You know, maybe it's about helping out more in the house, or maybe it's about treating the person in your life that you're living with right now with a bit more responsibility. Maybe it's about letting people know where you're at, you know, instead of them having to figure out where you are. Maybe it's about being more responsible at work. Maybe it's in the way that you serve at church. Maybe it's in a promise or a commitment that you've made that you've yet to keep. See, for the, for the sake of your relationships, for the sake of your reputation, for the sake of the reward, for the sake of representing God well in front of others, being responsible needs to be at the top of of our list of priorities. If you believe that, say amen. How do you grow in responsibility? Let me end this morning by talking about three or four ways that you and I can grow into more responsible people. Because the fact is this, as responsible as we might think we are, we tend to overestimate sometimes how responsible we are. This is something that all of us can relate to. Number one, keep your word even when it hurts. Keep your word even when it hurts. In other words, when you say something and you say you're going to do it, you just do it. You keep your word. As Jesus says, let your yes be yes, yet let your no be no. In other words, you, people can rely on what you say. You know, one of the biggest differences between a responsible person and an irresponsible person is in the way they look at the commitments that they make and the promises that they give. Look at Psalm 15, 1 and 4 with me. Read it in loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Those who keep their promises even when it hurts. If you have your Bibles in front of you, you can underline those words, even when it hurts. Jesus showed us what that's like, is that he promised, I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what no one else can do, is I'm going to pay the penalty for the sins that separate you from God, and he paid for us on the cross, even when it cost him his life. Jesus kept his promise, even when it hurts. And God calls us to be similar, keeping our promises, even when it hurts. See, the irresponsible person is someone who treats their commitments very lightly. 
they're like, oh, yeah, I promise, yeah, but you guys know it's no big deal, right? You know I was just joking, right? I didn't really mean that. Or, or you know, they'll understand if I don't do it. They'll understand what's going on. But see, here's the thing. A responsible person goes, you know what? My word is my bond. My word is my agreement and my promise to do something. And so I'm going to do it even if it hurts me. I'm going to do it because my character and my reputation depend on it. I'm going to do it because other people are counting on me to do it. You're going to find this. Irresponsible people, when they are hurt in any kind of way, they will drop their responsibilities right on the spot like a hot potato. Like, ah! They'll be like, you know what? Oh, I got the sniffles today, so I can't come into work today. I'm sorry. Or, and and you know, whereas you know, someone who might have the flu or, or might be you know might be you know super sick, a responsible person would go. You know, I'm going to still go in there, even if I'm not at my best. I'm going to do what I said I would do. It's the difference between an irresponsible person and a responsible person. See, here's the thing. Deuteronomy 23:21 says it this way. Read in a loud voice with you. It says, "When you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised Him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows, or you will be guilty." of sin. It's not just people who are counting on your word. God is counting on your word as well. Look at another one. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 5 together. What does it say? Ecclesiastes 5 says, when you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Turn to the person and give him a high and say, fulfill your vow. Fulfill your vow. Let me ask this question. Are you someone who fulfills your vows? Are you someone who keeps their word? Is there a promise that you've made to someone that you are still not keeping? Do you have a tendency to maybe stretch the truth or to use your words very lightly or to lie? See, for the irresponsible person, feeling good is more important than keeping your word and doing what is right. For the responsible person, it's the opposite. It is more important for a responsible person to say, I'm going to do what is right even if it hurts, even if it's painful. Because I'm thinking, when I keep my word, I'll feel better about it. I'm going to pay now and play later instead of playing now and paying later. If you believe that, say amen. You know, in one area where we are challenged as a church is in the area of tithing. That we, we challenge you guys, uh, everyone included, including myself, to tithe, uh, you know, 10% of our income as per the word of God. And, 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 and can, I, can I tell you that sometimes that's not, that, that can be a challenge for people who, like, including for ourselves, where we're, we're looking at our finances and looking, oh man, what's going to happen if we tithe 10%, the first 10% comes off and goes to God? What, what, about, what, what about us? What's going to happen? And you want to, what we found, Pastor Charlene and I, is that I found this, one of the things about Pastor Charlene that I've learned over time is that she is one of the most responsible people that I've ever met. In fact, she's probably the most responsible person that I know. And in terms of tithing, she's always, from the very beginning of our relationship, she's always been very, very adamant that, you know what, we need to tithe. We need to tithe no matter what the circumstance is, even when it hurts. And we found this, every time we've tithed, just as the Bible promises in Malachi chapter 3, is that when you put your, put your word, when you put your, when you put your, your action uh, behind the words to speak, when you fulfill your promise to tithe, what ends up happening is that God ends up blessing you in ways you could have never expected. You know, I can remember times when we were, you know, running low on finances and, and we would, you know, say, okay, we're just going to tithe anyways and just trust that God's going to be faithful to his promise and keep his word. And we end up tithing it and it's a bit painful, you know, there's maybe a little bit of blood on the envelope and it's just kind of... Uh, And then we find at the end, just like maybe days later, a week later, a month later, something comes in, an unexpected gift, some kind of allowance, some kind of new income that comes in that we never expected would take place. It just goes to show that God honors those who keep their word. Amen. 
is that when you seek your king, his, his kingdom first, he adds everything you need, and it begins when you keep your word. Tell a person to keep your word. Amen. Number two, if you want to become a more responsible person, me included, don't make promises you can't keep. Count the cost before you say yes. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever made a promise you couldn't keep? I think we all have. Can I tell you a stupid promise that I made that I really couldn't keep? Can I tell you? Let me tell you a promise that I made many, many years ago. I had a friend uh, where he would call me every single day after school. Every single day he would call me. And, you know, I liked the guy, but I just didn't really want to talk to him every single day. Uh, in, in fact, it was, just, it was kind of, there's there some issues in that friendship. For, and he would just keep on calling and keep on calling. And, 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 and we were talking a lot about his issues and his problems and all that stuff. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I, I really don't want to talk to this guy every day. I like the guy, but I don't want to talk to him every day. So I told him this. How about this? Is instead of you calling me at 4 p.m. every afternoon, can I do this with you? I'll write you a letter every day. Okay? Okay? I'm going to write you a letter every day. Because for me, it was less painful to write a letter than to talk all the time. And so that's what I did for the next two, three weeks. Every single day, I'm writing a letter. Every single day. By day, by, by day 21, I'm like, I have nothing else to write to this guy anymore. Like, I, I'm even surprised I've gotten to day 21. And, 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 you know, I, and finally, I went to him with a stack of letters and said, I'm so sorry. I can't keep going this way. Can, can we please do something different? And a part of him was kind of hurt. And, and I was embarrassed because I made a promise that I couldn't keep. And, you know, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, before I made that dumb promise, said something about dumb promises. Look at Luke chapter 14, verse 28 with me. Read in a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying this fellow began to build and was not able to finish what's the lesson here is that part of being responsible is about counting the cost before you make a promise it's about not being too quick to say yes to anything and everything it's about being careful with what promises you make if you believe that say amen Look at Proverbs 20, 25 with me right now. What does it say? It says, it is foolish and rash to make a promise to the Lord before counting the cost. Sometimes it is better to never promise at all than to give a promise and not be able to fulfill it. You know, here's a skill that I've learned. And I, I, I try to apply this to, to different situations, including at work, is, you know, sometimes we'll have people needing things at a certain time, right? Oh, when can you get that document to me? When can you do that for me? When can this car be fixed? You know, when, when can we have that uh, lesson or that, have that appointment? And, and you know what? There, there's, a, there, there's always going to be that temptation in you to want to give that person the soonest available time that you can possibly do if you burn the midnight oil and you burn the candle at both ends and, and it's like if you squeeze everything and maybe push some things to the side, maybe don't see your kids for a week and then you say, okay, I'll, 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 I'll meet you on that day, which is the soonest day you can possibly think of and then only find yourself not being able to meet that commitment. Has that ever happened to you before? It happens to a lot of people at work. And this is what I've found is that instead of doing that, I've learned from that experience and said rather than over-promising and underperforming, you do the opposite. You underpromise, you overperform. What does that mean? In other words, hey, JB, when can I get that document from you that I was waiting for? Oh yeah, you know what? And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, reasonably, realistically, how much time am I going to need? Okay, I'm going to say probably three days. I'm going to tack on an extra day just in case there are other things that come up that I'm not aware of. And I'm going to say, okay, how about this? Four days from now. Is that all right? 
Okay, no problem. And what ends up happening? If I'm able to do it in three days, I can give it to him in three days, and he'll be like, whoa, early. He, I, I underpromised, I overperformed, I've got a happy client. Amen. Amen. But if, and, and if, if somehow, somehow in the midst of what I'm working, uh, while I'm working, something else comes up and I can only deliver on the fourth day, guess what? I've still met my promise. I've done what I said I would do. It's because I've built some margin into my life. Amen. It's called under-promising and over-performing. Maybe that's the thing that you need to start doing when it comes to the clients that you deal with or the, the people in your life that are counting on you. Now, don't be, you know, don't be you know, like unreasonable or absurd about it. Kind of like, oh, like, uh, when, when can we get that document? How about, how about three years from now? No, 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 no. Don't, that, that, you're going to lose credibility that way. Give a realistic time frame, but build margin in there so that you can under-promise and over-perform. If you believe that, say Amen. Amen. Is this helpful in this place for you guys this morning? Is that good? Number three, use an effective reminder system. Use a, an effective way or effective system to remind yourself of your responsibilities. See, this weekend, uh, and I, I don't know if anyone knows this except me because uh, it's kind of a, a trivial fact, but this weekend is the 21-year anniversary of a cartoon movie that was, at its time, the highest-grossing non-Disney animation movie uh, of all time. It was called An American Tale. Do you guys know this, this movie? Have you seen this before? It's, a, it's you know, Fievel the Mouse gets separated from his family, gets reunited his, with his family, and the most famous part of this movie is the theme song of this movie. Do you guys know what the theme song is? It goes like this. Somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. You know that song? Okay. Uh, and, uh, and this is the thing. I find this. For people who struggle with irresponsibility, very often the way they see their commitments, the way they see their responsibilities is somewhere out there. You make the commitment, but then you kind of forget about it, and it's kind of somewhere out there beneath the pale moonlight. It's just kind of, I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. It's just somewhere out there, right? But then for responsible people, what they do is it's always on their mind what they need to do. And even when they forget, they've got a system to help them to remember. Do you guys have a good memory? Anyone have a good memory? You think you've got a memory like an owl? You just you remember everything? I think I've got a pretty good memory, all right? Uh, there's sometimes when I, I do, you know, don't remember things. You know, like, like you know, as our church has grown, sometimes there's people's names that I can't remember. I'll be, and I'll, sometimes I'll use, like, silly tricks, stupid tricks. I've stopped using this years ago. But, well, how do you spell your name again? Uh, B-O-B? Is that really that hard? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought there was, like, a silent Q in there or something. I'm sorry. And, and, and so, I, I, but normally, I think I've got a pretty good memory. For example, I can probably tell you, because uh, Charlene and I, we've been married for 14 years now, I can probably tell you what we did on Valentine's Day for the first, I think, seven years of our relationship. After seven, I can't remember anymore. All right? But I think I've got a pretty good memory. But despite me thinking I've got a pretty good memory, I've learned this, especially after 14 years of marriage, is that I cannot just rely on my memory. And all the husbands in this place said, amen, right? Is that there are way too many things to remember, especially if you've got a very responsible wife. You need to rely on not just your own memory. And all the wives in this place said, Amen, right? See, here's the thing. I've learned that I need to have a system because I've made way too many mistakes in the past. And so here's a few of the things that I do. It's part of my system. One is this. I use a planner. And I don't just use one planner. I use four, okay? 
I use four planners. I've got a daily planner, which is my game booklet. If you know what the game stands for, say it with me. It stands for the God and me experience. Is that we, we read a, a, a passage from the Bible. Uh, you know, you can you know, write down some of your thoughts from that passage. I'll even send you an email to, to share what I've learned from that passage. But, but here's the thing is I use that game booklet for one more thing. Is that every day I will plan my day using that game booklet. Whether it's the night before or the morning of, I will always open my game booklet to whatever day we are at. And then what I'll do, I'll always do the same thing. I will write, a, I'll draw a cross on a blank sheet of paper. I'll draw a cross. It's just, and there's no magic behind that. That's just me reminding myself that I want to seek God's kingdom first and uh, just trust he'll add everything else. And then after I draw the cross, I'll write down everything that I can think of that I still need to do that day. I'll just, in no particular order, just kind of randomly write them all down. Anything that's off the top of my head, I'll just write it all down. And then I'll start to prioritize and go, okay, what are the most important things I need to do today? And I'll start to kind of order them. One, two, three, four. And I start to create a little agenda or a little schedule for myself for that day. And man, does that help me so much? It helps me so much. Because during the day, there will be things that I'll forget to do. And all I have to do is open my game book and see what I have to do. Your game book is very valuable. Amen. Amen. That's what I've used for I don't know how many years now. You know, another thing I do is this, is sometimes I'll write messages to myself. Do you write messages to yourself? More than anyone else I write to, more than to Charlene, more than to Bradley, my son, more than to anyone else, more than to you guys, I write messages to me more than to anyone else. And these messages are not that, very, are not that nice. It's not like, oh, dear JB, good morning. How are you? You're looking good today. Have a lovely day. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Instead, it's just calendarize this. Send this. Don't forget this. And, and, and it'll, it'll just be very, very curt, but it's just little reminders to me that I have to do certain things. And when I don't have a hand to write with, maybe I'm driving, you know what else I'll use? I'll use my phone. Anyone use your phone to plan? Is that, I'll, I'll use my phone, and what I'll do is I will talk to Siri a lot. Siri is, has become my friend. Most of the time. And, and, and I'll, I'll be like, hey, Siri. Uh, I'll be like, hey, Siri, send an email. Oh, she's actually sending an email. Okay, okay. She's, I, I need to unlock my iPhone first. But then here's the thing. Is that I, I need to send, if I want to send an email or if I want to, if I want to you know, set up an appointment, I'll talk to Siri and ask her to do it for me. And it's because what am I doing? I'm sending myself a note to to remind myself about something I have to do. I'm, I'm rem- sometimes I'm reminding myself to remind myself. Sometimes I'll be like, Siri, send me an email that says to write a, an appointment down in my appointment book. And, and I've got a weekly appointment book with all my meetings. And so I'll see that email and I'll go, oh yeah, that's right. I've got to put that into my weekly appointment book. It's a reminder to remind myself. Crazy. Another thing I'll do sometimes is, you know, I will write, uh, you know, what, I'll, I'll write this down, is that I'll write it on a big post-it note, stuff that I have to bring. Or even better, say I have to bring something to the office from home. What I will do is I will take, say, it's a Bible that I have to bring. I, 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 will, I will do this. is because I know I'm going to forget, I will put that thing where my shoes are. And so even if I forget, even if I don't write it down, when I, go, when I leave the office or when I leave home for the office, I'll be like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. I'm going to bring this. I've got to bring this. I forgot about that. And it just helps me. It's a physical reminder. Everyone say, a physical reminder. Do you guys do that? These little things, it's a little system. And when I can't do that, I'll, I'll write it on a piece of paper and I'll, I'll stick it to the door. And just in case it flies off the door, I'll put a scotch tape on that post-it note to keep it there. You might think that is so anal, that is so much work, but let me tell you this. I would rather go through that little effort than to, to go through the effort of having to apologize to people for forgetting things that I should have gotten under my control. If you believe that, say amen. 
See, that little effort makes a huge difference because once I write it down, once I have it there, I can relax. I can just enjoy life. I don't have to think about it. It's there. It's going to be taken care of. Here's a question for you. What system do you use to keep track of your responsibilities? Do you have a system? Do you use one? Is it effective? Because here's the thing. If you don't have an effective system, you need to get one because your memory is not enough. If you believe that, say amen. Turn to your neighbor because some of them are not all convinced. Tell them your memory is really not enough. Your memory is really not enough. Amen. Here's the irony. Here's the irony. See, irresponsible people think that they're a lot smarter than they are. Irresponsible people think they're a lot smarter than they are. They tend to overestimate their ability to remember things and get things done. Responsible people tend to be a lot more self-aware and realize that, you know what, there's a good chance that I'm going to forget. There's a good chance that I'm going to completely lose track of this. And so I'm going to put myself a reminder just in case I forget. That's creating a system. That's also why here at Thrive, when you're reading or listening to the message, we encourage you to write notes. Why is that? It's, it's because when you write notes, even if you never look at those notes again, the process of typing something down, oh, keep my word, or you know, Luke chapter 12, you know, when you do that, when you write down that note or type down that note, just that process alone helps you to digest and retain what you're hearing. Amen. And when you go to small group, you've got something to share. I even have one, you know, one guy in the church who, who when he, whenever he goes on mission trips, and he has, has to give a, an impromptu sharing to people you know, that he's just met and he doesn't know what to do, he will take out his sermon notes from Thrive Church. And he'll start just reading his sermon notes that way. He's got something to bless others with. It's because when you write down something like that with a system, you're able to bless your relationships. If you believe that, say amen. Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9 says it this way. Read in a loud voice with you. 1, 2, 3, it says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What's going on here? See, Moses... He's telling his people, God's commandments are for your success, for your prosperity, for your protection. You need to remember them. And so don't just think, okay, I'll remember it. Uh, It's somewhere out there. But he says, you know what? Make it something where you are reminded of it every single day in a physical way. Write it down. Write it on your door frames. Write it on your gates. Even wear God's word on your clothes as a way to remind yourself of what is most important. It's creating a system. Do you have a system? We need a system for helping us determine what we need to do so that we don't forget. If you believe that, say amen. Number four, and we're going to end today, is that if you want to become someone who grows in responsibility, then the fourth thing we need to do is apologize when you've messed up. Apologize when you've missed the mark. You know, I I missed the mark earlier today. Do you know what happened? Uh, Despite this whole system that I shared with you guys this morning, I didn't use that system this morning. You know what happened? I was kind of in a rush to get here from home, and uh, Charlene, uh, she said before we, we Pastor Char, and I said goodbye. She was like, hey, uh, JB, you're going to be great, because she's so encouraging. She's like, oh, you're going to be great. Oh, by the way, can you bring some of the lunch boxes that I, cr- that I put? They're on the counter. Can you bring them with me? I was like, okay, no problem. I got it. And then I didn't put it at my shoes, okay? Thank God, because it would kind of 
you know, it tastes kind of weird if, if I did that. I, I, I didn't write it down. I didn't Siri it. I didn't do anything. And what I did, I walked out the door without the lunchboxes. And I came back, I came, I came here to, to, to Thrive Center, and I was like, oh my goodness. I just forgot what Shar told me to do. So I was like, Shar, I'm so sorry. I forgot the lunchbox. She's like, it's okay, it's okay. But here's the thing. If I knew what I did, but I didn't apologize, I think Shar might be kind of mad at me right now. Yeah? Praise God, she's smiling and laughing right now. But, but see, here's the thing, is that apologizing is so important. It's part of being responsible. It doesn't make everything okay. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's a magic spell that turns everything back to the way it used to be. But saying sorry at least shows the other person that you are responsible or you feel responsible. Amen. Showing that you care, showing that that matters to you, that you want to be responsible. Saying sorry is a big part of that. And, and, and see, here's the thing. The hope we have in Jesus Christ the, 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 the amazing, un, like unmatchable, uncomparable hope that we have in Jesus is that even when we make the biggest mistakes, even when we mess up in the biggest ways, we can always go back to the cross to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. If you believe that, say amen. But to receive that mercy and that grace, it's about coming before God and saying, God, I confess my sin. I'm sorry. In fact, you know, what, what are the first three words that you learn when you ever you learn a new language? The first three words should be, besides where's the bathroom, the three would be sorry, please, and thank you. And you're going to say, I'm going to tell you this, is when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to following Jesus, a lot of it just boils down to sorry, please, and thank you. Sorry, God, for my sins. I repent of my sins. I confess that I have not always been responsible. There's been things that I've forgotten. There's ways that I've messed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Make me a brand new person inside. Thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins so that I could be born again, so that I could be forgiven, so that I could have a brand new start. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Sorry, please, and thank you. Praise God. Let me just end with one little quick story. Have you guys learned something this morning? Really practical this morning. Let me just end with one story. Um, I've shared a lot of mistakes that I've made with you guys, haven't I? You you know that your pastor is not a perfect pastor. I try to be responsible. I'm not always as much as I'd like to be, but I'm certainly trying, and I hope you're trying as well. Let me end with one story, which is uh, last Friday, um, if you were driving from Richmond or you know anything south of Vancouver over the Arthelang Bridge, you would have uh, found that there was a lot of traffic on Friday night going on Russ Baker Way onto the Arthelang Bridge. Uh, it's because there was a car that was stopped on the side of the road. Uh, there was a police car there, um, and uh, and so everything was backed up. And uh, I was really frustrated on that road. You know why? Because that car was me. That car was me. And uh, what ended up happening was I ran out of gas on the bridge. It's the worst place. It's one of the worst places to run out of gas. And the funny thing was, it was the, our, our gas meter didn't kind of, it was kind of like just under the halfway point. And, I was, and so I was shocked. I was like, what's going on? And, and, and I ran out of gas. And, you know, it was one of those things where, because like, I hate drivers like that. 
all right? You know, like, they, 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 they're stalling, and you're stalled, and you're just like, everything is slow, everything behind is backed up, and I felt so bad for all the drivers who were kind of waiting behind me to get past me, and some of them were honking, some had some very uh, interesting things to say to me as they're going, and, I, I, and I'm there, you know, Bradley's in the back seat, and, and we're, we're just kind of waiting. I, I, I called, you know, uh, a fr- like, I, I called a friend, and I, I called uh, some people to help, and uh, praise God, as I'm stressed and stuck on that bridge, a few things happened. One was uh, there was a, uh, a, a truck, uh, a really big semi-truck that noticed that I was stuck. And for some reason, he decided just to park right behind me on the same bridge. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, is that what's going on there? He came out of the car. He went up to the driver's seat, to the driver's window. He, I rolled down the window and he said, hey, I'm, I'm just going to park behind you so that no one hits you from the back. I was like, that's, that's so cool of you, man. And then uh, a police car came, and he parked behind. And, uh, and he said, hey, everything okay? I was like, hey, I'm so sorry for this. I hate drivers like me. <laughs> and he was like, don't worry, it happens to us all. And he just kind of waited. Finally, um, uh, you know, like a, 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 my, my friend came over with gas. And got the, my friend came, gave us a big tank of gas, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm filling it up this way. And uh, finally, we're able to get off the road, and I'm able to go back again. And you know, that, that, was what, that was a stressful night. I felt bad for those who were passing by me, who were stuck on the road. And in fact, if, that was one of, if you were stuck on the road that night, I apologize, okay? My bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but I learned something from that lesson, from that, from that experience, is that God's grace is always enough in our time of need. Amen? Is that we can make some stupid mistakes, but there's always grace to help us in our time of need. We can be very irresponsible, but God's grace is greater than our irresponsibility. Amen? In fact, there's no mistake we'll ever make that God, God's grace is not big enough to forgive. God's grace is there. And here's the thing. God gives us grace, just like that girl uh, who, who, who gave me gas, or just like that, um, uh, that, that policeman who, who came and, 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 and helped me out, just like that truck driver came and, and sat behind me to protect our car. All those things were things that I didn't deserve. But God allowed those things to happen, not so that I could get into another, you know, uh, you know, side road issue, not so that I could lose gas and get run out of gas and be stalled again, but so I could just keep on going to where, where I'm supposed to be. Amen. In the same way, that's God's grace for you. God's grace is there. You know, when we from time to time get stalled, times when we stumble, when we fall, times when we mess up and we're kind of caught in the road and, and we, we, it affects other people, it happens, but God's grace is there to help us keep on going. So if that's happened to you, can I tell you this? Don't give, don't give up. Get up. Keep on going because the best is yet to come. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Tell your neighbor, give him a high five and say, I'm so glad for God's grace. Tell someone else, I'm so glad for God's grace. Let's all stand. Let's respond to God in this place. I'm going to invite the worship team to lead us in this song. And we're going to respond to the amazing grace of God. When we were faithless, he was faithful. When we were irresponsible, he was responsible. And because we have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, we can learn to be more and more responsible. We can learn to be more and more faithful. We can be learn, learn to be more and more trustworthy. And our relationships will be blessed as a result. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Let's sing this song together as our response to God. Let's give God our worship. Let's give God our thanks for all of his faithfulness and all of his goodness to us. Let's sing this song together right now. 
Today we've been learning about responsibility, learning that our relationships, our reputation, our reward, and how well we represent God on this earth depend on how responsible we are. And my question for you today is this, is there an area in your life where you need to be more responsible? Is there an area where you need to be more faithful to your promises, keeping your word better, being more thoughtful, taking care of the stuff that God has given to you? Maybe it's at home in your marriage. Maybe it's with your parents. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's in your work, your studies, the way you serve at church or in other places. If that's you and you realize today that responsibility is something you need to work on and you want God's help in that area, on the count of three, I'm going to invite you to respond to God by raising your hand and we're going to pray with you and for you because God is here right now. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you need to work on responsibility and want God's help in that area right now. One, two, three. I want you to raise your hands right now to God just as your response to God right now. Just let the height of your hands reflect just how much you need God and His help. And let's just all pray aloud together in this place in your own words from your heart. Just start talking to God right now. From your heart, just start talking to God right now. Don't worry about what your neighbor's saying. You just talk to God right now. Just take this moment between you and God to start to talk to Him right now. Maybe you need to confess some sins to Him. Maybe you just give Him thanks for His mercy and grace. Ask Him for His help because He loves you. He's here with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you, God. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Father. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now and say, Heavenly Father, thank you so much that even when I am faithless, you are always faithful. Even when I am irresponsible, your mercy and grace reach to me I right now invite you to fill my life again because I realize today that I need to be more responsible especially in the area of and why don't you just name that area that you need to be more responsible in you know God for, for me it's my family or maybe it's for me it's my, my studies or for me it's how I relate to people at work just start talking to God right now about that just say that to God right now maybe it's in your marriage Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a promise that you made that you haven't kept. Just, just say to God, God, I know I need to be more responsible in that area. And say this with me. God, would you help me, God, would you help me to keep my word, to keep my word even, when it hurts, even when it hurts? Not to make rash promises. Make rash promises to have a system. Not to overestimate my memory or my abilities. So that I could be someone that others can count on. Thank you, Jesus, that my relationships are going to improve because of the decisions I'm making today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? I don't know if you heard me. I said, can we give Jesus a big hand, a big shout in this place right now? Amen. 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 Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. We just want to pray for one last group. Is if you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, maybe you've been to church before, but you've never received Christ into your life. Maybe you've heard about God's love, but you've never received Christ into your life. Maybe you, know, you think you're a Christian, but you've never actually invited Jesus into your life. Then we want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Because when we were, for, when we were separated from God because of our sin, 
when we were irresponsible in a lot of different ways, the consequence of that sin is that we were supposed to be separated from God for now and forever. But because God loved us, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. He was responsible when we weren't responsible. And he took the responsibility of our sin, paid for on the cross, and he rose again to show us that he really means what he says. And so if that's you in this place and you've never received Christ into your life, I'm going to invite you to just pray a prayer as simple as the one we're going to lead you in. And then when you pray that prayer and you mean it from your heart, the Bible says you will be forgiven of your sins instantly at this very moment you pray. And that you will be a child of God instantly this very moment you pray. And you have a relationship with God instantly this very moment you pray. Why don't you pray this prayer with me right now and say, Dear God, I know that there's lots of ways that I have messed up. I can't change my past, but I thank you that you love me anyways, that you sent Jesus Christ for me to die on the cross for my sins, to rise again, to give me new life. So right now, I open up my heart and invite Jesus Christ to come in, to forgive me of my sins, make me a new person inside. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can you give God a big hand together right now one more time? The Bible says if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, then congratulations. You are a child of God. You are forgiven of your sins. And you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If you made that decision today, we encourage you to fill up that connect card that's in front of you. Put in the offering bag. Uh, We have a gift that we want to give you that's going to bless you. Let's just pray together right now. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this morning and early afternoon that we could spend together as a church family. Thank you, Jesus, that even when we were faithless, you remain faithful. Thank you that when we are irresponsible, you are always responsible. And you show us mercy and grace, not so that we can continue to be irresponsible, but so that we can be responsible for your glory. So we can be responsible for the people in our lives. So we can be responsible so we can bless others and reflect the love that you've given to us, to the people around us. And so we thank you so much for your amazing word that touches our hearts today. And we pray all of your blessing on everybody here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Jesus a big hand in this place together right now? Praise God.